Alrighty, let's read, let's read. And, uh, I don't know about you, I'm really enjoying the study. I was surprised how much I, I love preparing for this. Just, uh, you know, until this study, it was just gobbledygook, you know? Just read through Leviticus, and it's just, <laughs> you, you can't make heads or tails of it. And now there's some, um, now there's some order and clarity. See the real purpose of it, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, the next next Friday when we look at chapter 14, and uh, and I'll tell you why a little, a little bit later when we get further into that. But. All right, who wants to read a short chapter, uh, chapter 12? Who wants to read chapter 12? Brave volunteer. And then, oh, sorry, and, and, uh, and then who wants to read chapter 13, 1 through 28? Awesome, thank you. And then who wants to read uh, 29 through 59? All right. Awesome. Thank you. Chapter 12. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bear a male child, then he shall, she shall be unclean for seven days, as in the days of her menstruation she shall be unclean. Now on the eighth day, the flesh of his whole skin shall be circumcised. Then she shall remain in the blood of her cleansing for thirty-three days. She shall not touch any holy thing, and she shall not enter the sanctuary until the days of her cleansing are fulfilled. But if she bear a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks, as in her menstruation she shall remain in the blood of her cleansing for sixty-six days. When the days of her cleansing are fulfilled, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Then he shall bring it near before Yahweh and take atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether a male or a female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she, shall, she will be clean. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons uh, the priests. The priests shall look at the mark on the skin of the body, and if the hair in the infection has turned white, and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at look at him, he shall pronounce his unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body, and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, 
and the hair on it has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate him who has the, the infection for seven days. The priest shall look at him on the seventh day, and if in his eyes the infection has not changed, and the infection has not spread on, his, on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him for seven more days. The priest shall look at him again on the seventh day, and if the infection has faded and the mark has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spreads farther on the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again to the priest. The priest shall look, and if the scab has spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. When the infection of the leprosy is on a man, then he shall be brought to the priest. The priest shall then look, and if there is a white swelling in the skin, and it has turned the hair white, and then and there is quicker, quick raw flesh in the swelling. It is a chronic leprosy on the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not isolate himself for his unclean, for he is unclean. If the leprosy breaks out further on the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of him who has the infection from his head even to his feet, as far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and behold, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce clean him pronounce clean him who has the infection. It has all turned white and he is clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. The priest shall look at the raw flesh and he shall pronounce him unclean. The raw flesh is unclean, it is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh turns if the raw flesh turns again and is changed to white, then he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall look at him. And behold, if the infection has turned to white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, pronounce clean him, and who has the infection, he is clean. When the body has a boil on his skin and it is healed, and it is and in the place of the boil there is a white swelling or a reddish white bright spot then it shall be shown to the priest and the priest shall look and behold it appears to be lower than the skin and the hair on it has turned white then the priest shall pronounce him unclean it is the infection of leprosy it has broken on broken out in the boil but if the priests look at it, and behold, there are no white hairs in it, and it is not lower than the skin, and it's faded, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days. And if it is spread further, farther on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection. But if the bright spot remains in its place and does not spread, it is only the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Or if the body sustains in its skin a burn by fire, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish white or white, then the priest shall look at it. 
and if the hair in the bright spot has turned white and it appeared to be deeper than the skin, it is leprosy. It has broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. But if the priest looks at, at it, and indeed there is no white hair in the bright spot and it is no deeper than the skin, but is dim, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days. And the priest shall look at him on the seventh day. If it is spread farther in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. But if the bright spot remains in his place and has not spread in the skin, but is dim, it is the swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is only the scar of the burn. Now if a man or woman has an infection on the head or on the beard, the priest shall look at the infection, and if it appears to be deeper than the skin, and there is a thin yellowish hair in it, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scale, uh, it is a... It is leprosy of the head or of the beard. But if the priest looks at the infection of the scale, and indeed it appears to be no deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate the person with the scaly infection for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall look at the infection, and if the scale has not spread, and no yellowish hair has grown in it, and the appearance of the scale is no deeper than the skin, then he, then he shall shave himself, but he shall not shave the scale, and the priest shall isolate person with the scale of seven more days. Then on the seventh day, the priest shall look at the scale, and if the scale has not spread in the skin, and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scale spreads farther in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall look at him, and if the scale has spread to the skin, the priest need not seek for the yellowish hair, he is unclean. If, it, if in his sight the scale has remained, however, the black hair has grown in it, the scale is healed, he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. When a man or woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, even white bright spots, then the priest shall look at it as bright spots on the, on the skin of their bodies are faint white. It is uh, eczema that is broken out on the skin. He is, he is clean. Now, if a man loses the hair on, of his head, he is bald, he is clean. If his head becomes bald at the front and the sides, he is bald. On the forehead, he is clean. But if the bald head or the bald forehead, uh, there, if on the bald head or on the bald forehead there occurs a reddish white infection, is leprosy breaking out on his bald head or on his bald forehead? Then the priest shall look at him and swelling on the infection is reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprosy in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man and he is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him. Unclean. This infection is on his head. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean, he shall live alone, his dwelling shall be outside the camp. When a garment has a mark of leprosy in it, whether it is a wool garment or a linen garment, whether a wolf or a wolf, linen or wool, whether in leather or in any article made of leather, if the mark is created or reddish in the garment or in the leather, or in the warp or in the wool, or in any article of leather, it shall be a leprous mark and shall be shown to the priest. Then the priest shall look at the mark and shall quarantine the article with the mark for seven days. He shall look then he shall then look at the mark on the seventh day. If the mark has spread in the garment, whether in the warp or in the wool, 
or the leather, or whatever the purpose for which the leather is used, the mark is a licorice malignancy. It is unclean. So he shall burn the garment, whether the warp or the wool, or the wool or the linen, or any article of leather in which the mark occurs, for it is a leprous malignancy, it shall be burned in fire. But if the priest shall look, and indeed the mark is not spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the wool, or in the, any article of leather, then the priest shall order them to wash the thing in which the mark occurs, and shall quarantine it for seven more days. After the article with the mark has been washed, the priest shall look, again look, and if the mark has not changed its appearance, even though the mark has not spread, it is unclean, you shall burn it in fire, whether eating away has produced fairness on the top or in front of it. Then, if the priest looks, and if the mark has faded after it has been washed, and he shall tear it out of the garment or out of leather, whether from the warp or from the wolf, and if it, appear, if it appears again in the garment, whether in the warp or in the wolf, or in any article of leather, it is an outbreak. The article with the mark shall be burned in fire. The garment, whether the warp or the wolf, or any article of leather in which the mark has departed, when he washed it, it shall be washed a second time and will be clean. There is the mark. There, This is the law for the mark of leprosy in a garment of wool or linen, whether in the warp or in the wolf, or in any article of leather, for pronouncing it clean or unclean. Great. Thank you. Some uh, really rich passages there. Thanks for your wedding. Uh, wedding reading. Oh, she already had her wedding. I guess we don't know what Well, we're in Leviticus now, and and uh, you remember it, the, the kind of the, the the topic of the tabernacle began back in the back in Exodus toward the end, when God uh, gave Moses instructions about building the tabernacle in chapter twenty-five to thirty-one. And then it was carried to the, to the letter and T in chapters 35 to 40. And, and yet 40 left, the, uh, left off like a cliffhanger. And when Moses now, after building the tabernacle, he tries to enter into the tent of meeting, and he's prevented from entering in. And uh, if you're there listening to the first time, you don't understand why. Uh, this is kind of a, a big uh, a, a shocker to you. And so Leviticus follows the book of Exodus and instructs us this is how uh, sinners can enter into the holy presence of God, not just temporarily through daily worship, but uh, Leviticus gives us a blueprint of salvation for the world for all time. Um, Eden was lost in the fall. So how, does, how is Eden restored? Uh, and Leviticus tells us how. Uh, through this tabernacle worship. Um, how does a, a sinful man return to a holy God? Well, chapters 1 through 7, if you look at up in that, that, uh, that outline, uh, it says through through sacrifice. In chapters 1 through 7, five sacrifices were listed and explained, and these seven chapters described all the dynamics of worship at play, uh, worship involved a burnt offering, and that symbolized an all-consuming worship. A worship of Yahweh involves a grain offering, symbolizing thanksgiving and trust. Worship requires a peace offering or fellowship offering, representing peace with God and others through sacrifice. Worship involves a sin and guilt offering. A sin and guilt must be dealt with in order for sinners to worship a holy God. But more than a sacrifice is required to reconcile sinners with their creator. Uh, 
sinful man returns to holy God to a holy God uh, through a priest. Chapters eight through ten. Uh, chapter eight gave instructions about the ordination and consecration of the priesthood. In chapter nine, the the tabernacle worship is begun. It's uh, it's launched. Chapter nine uh, records the first day of uh, uh, worship for Israel through this newly instituted tabernacle. Aaron and his sons offer sacrifices on behalf of Israel and themselves. And, uh, and before we get to chapter 10, the, the common thread that ran through all of these chapters was holiness. That the way to God is a holy way. That you don't have all these choices to make regarding the worship of God. God tells you how he wants to be worshipped. This is the way. And in order to worship him, you, you have to, this is not what you have to do. Uh, Aaron's two oldest sons, they don't get that memo in chapter 10. Nadab and Abihu, they are representing Israel, they're representing Israel before God, they're killed by God, and it teaches this, this lesson that, that our God is a consuming fire to those who offer strange fire. Well, these two older sons offer strange fire and are, and are punished by death for doing so. And this is the, this, another principle that's established. You either offer the right sacrifice to God, or you become the sacrifice. The same fire that came out from Yahweh's presence and consumed the burnt offering at the end of chapter 9 is the same fire that consumed Nadab and Abihu in chapter 10. And you have the same wording in the last verse of chapter 9 as you do in the first verse of chapter 10. In light of the seriousness of holiness displayed through the death of Aaron's two oldest sons, the question these debts raised to us is to the extent of holiness. Uh, just how holy do we need to be? And chapter 11 answers the, first answers the question by, with, the mundane, with the mundane. Even the food you eat, you, you must display holiness. In a world where starvation was a daily reality, this was a big sacrifice to make, right? You're, str you're struggling to survive each day, and God says you can't eat pork. I mean, think about it. As easy as it is to raise pit pigs as a source of protein and fat and calories that you need to survive, as delicious as pork is. I'm sure it was delicious to us. It was deli delicious to them. And God says no pork, no pig. And so chapter 11 listed clean and unclean animals. Not only do you have major restrictions on what you can or cannot eat, it extends to what you touch. You can't touch moles or mice or lizards. You can't touch household items that these little creatures touch. This is as common and mundane as you get. And the penalty for violations when it came to eating and touching, they were light. They were, they were simply reminders of God's requirement for holiness among, among his people. How holy do you need to be as God's people? Well, in chapter 12, we move from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. We move from what that which is most mundane to that which is most monumental in the giving of birth to a child. So that's a major landmark in life. Be holy in the mundane, be holy in the mon monumental moments of life. So in Leviticus 12, the, the laws of, pur of purification for a, a new mother is revealed. And to be clear, there's, there's nothing defiling about giving birth to, a, to children. There's nothing remote, remotely sinful about childbirth, even in a symbolic way. 
What was defiling about childbirth was, what do you think? What was, what do you think was uh, uh, defiling about childbirth? What, what, when you give children, what, what, what usually is kind of uh, prevalent? It's a lot of blood. And, and blood is what? Blood defiles you, right? You can't eat a bloody piece of meat. You, you can't eat raw meat. You can't touch it. You can't eat predatory animals who eat and drink blood from their prey. Um, and so uh, giving childbirth would defile a woman giving birth. In verses 1 through 4, um, uh, uh, Moses talks about uh, the requirements of, of uh, ceremonial cleansing for uh, a woman giving birth to a son. Uh, Moses spoke, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days, as in the days of her menstruation she shall be unclean. Now on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised, then he shall remain in the blood, and she shall remain in the blood of her cleansing for thirty-three days. She shall not touch any holy thing, and she shall not enter the sanctuary until the days of her cleansing are fulfilled. Uh, does that kind of remind you of anything? Does that remind you of anything? Well, remember Luke uh, uh, on Christmas. Remember, uh, go to Luke chapter two, and Jesus is presented at the temple. Verse 21, and what does Luke say? And when eight days were fulfilled, so that they could circumcise him, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their cleansing, according to the law of Moses, were fulfilled, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, right? So you have... But when we behold Leviticus 11, or Leviticus chapter 12, and Luke chapter 2. How many days were the cleansing in, in verse 22? How many days did she have to wait? Mary have to wait? No, well, there's seven days, and then, then there's the eighth day of circumcision, and then there's there's more additional days, right, of cleansing? 33 more days. So a total of 40 days, and she has to present uh, her firstborn to the Lord. And so, um, during this period of time, 33 days, she, she wasn't to avoid, she was to not to touch anything holy, to avoid entering the tabernacle. And um, it shows, this, is the, this was the, the state of what it meant to be impure. That if you were unclean, you couldn't enter the tabernacle and worship God. Only the clean could enter the tabernacle. And so what you'll see uh, in these uh, chapters, you'll see four categories when it comes to the worship uh, of the tabernacle. There was the holy and the profane, and then within the profane, there was the clean and unclean, right? So there's the holy, there's the profane, just the normal, and under that category of normal, there's clean and unclean. And so in order to enter the tabernacle to become holy, you must go from unclean to clean. So there's these, these categories of, uh, of, of states of worship in the Old Testament. 
Uh, what was circumcision circumcision a sign of? Right, that you were part of God's covenant nation Israel. Uh, go to Genesis 17, 12. And that is uh, prescribed early on. Uh, chapter 17, Genesis, verse 9. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your seed after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Verse 12, And every male among you who is eight days shall be circumcised throughout your generations. Lo and behold, you have the same command here in Leviticus 12, the eighth day uh, you're circumcised. It was a sign that you were part of this nation that God made a promise with. And uh, so, so you would see uh, this covenant mark in circumcision. Who else might see uh, this covenant mark of your circumcision. Who else might see that? You, you grew up, you got older. Who else might see that? So in sexual relationships, a woman might see this mark. Your wife, ideally. But also, if you were betraying your nation and you were sleeping around with a, a pagan, uh, somebody from a pagan nation, that woman would see your circumcision, and it would provide a degree of accountability. She would see that you were betraying the God of Israel. Um, and so the circumcision was a sign. It was a, it was a way to keep uh, men accountable. And um, circumcision, what did it point to in the New Testament? What did the circumcision point to in the New Testament? What was this? What, what was it a symbol of? So the circumcision of the heart, yeah. right? So in the same way, there was a uh, you're removing the kind of the, the foreskin of, of 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 your private parts. Uh, God would uh, in the New Testament removes the hardness of your heart. And so this pointed to the old covenant sign, pointed to the new covenant sign. The external sign of circumcision pointed, pointed to the internal sign of a circumcised heart. Um, and uh, so when the sign, when the, when the, when, 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 when the heart, the, the, the circumcision of the heart came, there's no reason for the, the, the physical circumcision was no longer necessary, right? That passed away because fulfillment has come. Fulfillment has come, and so we don't have to go backwards and practice what they practice. Now, uh, back in that age and era, uh, other nations practiced circumcision, uh, but what was unique about uh, Israelite circumcision was that it happened to baby boys. It happened to uh, babies who were unconscious. They had no say in it. They were passive. Uh, pagan nations would practice circumcision, but it was usually part of puberty ceremonies when they got old enough. Uh, there are hygienic benefits of circumcision that we know of. Uh, but for Israel, it was primarily as a sign, again, as a sign of their covenant status before God. Um, it, around the world, most people
people, most nations don't practice circumcision. It's very rare. Uh, it's even rarer to practice circumcision on babies. There's only two countries in the world where circumcision is done on babies. What two countries are those? U.S. and Israel. U.S. and Israel, right. Uh, in Korea, uh, men are circumcised when you go to the army. So when you're 19 or 20, uh, there's a painful ceremony, a painful thing that all uh, Korean men have to do. But as babies, it's it's uh, uh, it's for just for only today. It's only for Israel and the United States. In Israel, they do it for religious reasons purely. It's not done in the hospital. There's a there's a special guy you go to, and it's part of a religious ceremony. And so, in the United States, we're the only country in the world where it's done in hospitals, and where it's where less than one percent of people do it for religious reasons. So. Uh, I don't know. Does anyone know the explanation why the United States practices circumcision? Is it purely health hygienic reasons, or or is it custom hygiene? You think? Okay, that's interesting. That's what it's I have a question. Yes. Why does the women have to be purified both the two-faced faith when they're carrying a child, whereas the male thirty-two days? Good, good. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. So we move to uh, verse five. And, and you're, you're going to notice something uh, that stands out. If the woman bears a, a female child, uh, she shall be unclean for two weeks. That's double the time, as in her menstruation. Oh, that's oh, interesting. There's a clue there. And she shall remain in the blood of her cleansing for 66 days, as opposed to 33 days in verse 4. Um, and so uh, many people ask, why is it the case? And... Uh, two reasons are given. Um, and, and the first reason, it, it possibly could reflect the daughter's own future fertility and her association with blood. So there's this anticipation of, of, of her fertility, her giving birth, and her uh, uh, losing this blood and giving birth. Another um, reason that uh, this, was, this was double was the fact when compared to pagan religions in this time, um, fertility rites and the worship of God were often mixed together. So pagan practice, there would be uh, these, uh, they, there would be a, a presentation of the woman and maybe even the, a woman's blood, and it would show that these pagan gods were subject to the to the processes of procreation, and so by uh, by deliberately uh, distancing women from the worship of God for that for that long of a time would would separate you from these pagan fertility rites with women and giving birth. It would show that it's the Creator who blesses creation with new life, and that uh, God isn't. And dependent on, uh, on 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 women giving birth, there's no there's no dependence on that. There's no interdependence, and so those are kind of the two reasons we think. And and we can be so it's not because of uh, you know God views God viewed women as less valuable than men uh, because uh, and we can be kind of certain of that by looking at verses six through eight. Because in verses 6 through 8, it says, 
when the, de when the days of her cleansing are fulfilled, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a girdle dubbing for a sin offering. So it's the same offering, right? It's the same offering. You don't have a double offering for a daughter. You don't have a, a, a triple offering for a daughter to somehow signify she's a greater sinner than a man. It's the equal offering. Um, we see, uh, uh, again, it says in verse 6, it says she's supposed to bring a burnt offering and then a sin offering. Um, is there anything sinful about giving birth? No. And so here we learn that you can have a you can have a, a sin offering presented to God and have it so where it's not connected to the, anything sinful. It doesn't necessarily necessarily imply that there's something sinful about giving birth. Uh, you, you have this language of a, of atonement in verse eight. Again, you can have an atonement offering connected to something that isn't sinful, and it says. What happens when the priest shall make atone for her, atonement for her? It says she shall be clean, not forgiven. It doesn't say she'd be somehow uh, her sins taken away. No, she's simply made clean. And so, not so. Every time you see a sin offering or a, an atonement offering, it doesn't necessarily imply that that offering is being made because of of sin. Uh, and and. And it's really clear because usually when there's sin involved, the order is different. When there's actual sin, in, sin involved, the order is sin offering first and then a burnt offering. Here, the order, if you notice, it's a burnt offering first and then a sin offering. Make it absolutely clear that this doesn't have to do anything with sin. And this is important. Why is this important? Because in Ezekiel, chapter 40 through 48... There's a temple that's built, right? And if you're kind of premillennial dispensational, you believe that that temple is a future temple in the millennial kingdom of, of Christ. And uh, our covenantal brothers will say what? That temple is a spiritual temple. It's not a literal temple. And they'll say the reason that they're certain of it is because you see sin offerings in this millennial temple. Why would you have a sin offering when Christ already died, right? And so, if you the answer is, if you go back to Leviticus, you could, and you see, you can have a sin offering that's not connected with sin. You can have an atonement offering that has nothing to do with sin. It's clearly giving birth. There's nothing sinful about giving birth, or else we, we'd be in, we would be in big trouble, right? Because Jesus was born uh, from Mary, and he was perfectly sinless. All right. So you must be holy in giving birth to your children. This is this is big, monumental stuff. Uh, remember we, when we looked at food, God says you must be holy in the mundane, in, in what you eat, what you drink, what you touch. You must be holy in the big things, the, the big major landmarks of your life, like giving birth to your kids. And then chapter 13, the point of chapter 13, what's the, what's the deal with all this skin? I mean, you read a, a lot of verses on, on, on skin diseases. And the point of chapter 13 is that you must be holy in your health. You must be holy in your health. And so every category of life emphasizes the need for holiness. And here in 
you see a mixture of roles of a priest and a daughter coming together. This is pre-modern medicine, and and so a priest plays the role of a doctor here. Um, and his 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 job was to distinguish between what was what was his main job? What, what, what did he what did he need to distinguish? Um, uh, yes, but what else? What made you clean and what made you unclean? In chapter 13. Is it spread on the altar? What? Is it spread on the altar? Okay, and what's another word for that? Eruption? What's the implication of that? That it spreads or not? Unholy. Physically. Okay. Let me see. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Being contagious. Being contagious, right? So his, his job was to determine whether you were contagious or not. If you were contagious, you were pronounced unclean, so there was, you, you couldn't enter the worship of the tabernacle, but that did what? That protected the rest of the congregation from getting that disease, that skin disease, right? So you're, you're a doctor, you're a priest, you're protecting the, the rest of the, the people from getting the skin disease, which was serious, was contagious, which was very dangerous, and there wasn't medicine you could prescribe then. And so the only remedy that you had was separation. And so that's what chapter 13 is about. That whether you're infectious or not. They would determine whether you were infectious or not. Verses 1 through 8, uh, you, you get proper instruction. And, and this is kind of the categories of, of uh, verse 2. When man has, uh, has on the skin of his body a swelling... Uh, a scab, which may be a rash, in other words, a rash, a bright spot or something white, shiny spot, a disease known possibly as, is possibly a disease known as vitiligo, or vitiligo, and uh, and the word leprosy here it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean kind of a leprosy that we're kind of accustomed to. It could refer to a number of of skin diseases, which were deadly, which were contagious, they were dangerous. And uh, this is kind of the general um, prescription that the priests are given to determine whether somebody was contagious or not, whether somebody was clean or unclean. And uh, look at verse 3, they looked at the mark of the skin of the body, and if the hair and the infection had turned white, and this is the key, so sometimes your skin can turn white and you're pronounced, and it's, it, it's determined to be not contagious and therefore clean, and therefore you can worship with the rest of the people and you can interact and fellowship and have normal relationships with the rest of Israel. Uh, but if the, if the white, if the infection seems to be deeper than just the skin, if it's deeper than skin deep, it's something uh, more serious. And the priest would look at you in verse 3, pronounce you unclean. Uh, verse 4, Let's say there was a, a white spot and it doesn't seem to be deeper than the skin and the hair on it wasn't turned white. There was isolation for about seven days. After the seven days, verse 5, it, if it hadn't changed, if it hadn't spread, uh, there, was another more, there was another seven days of isolation. After that, uh, seven days, so that's what, 14 days now. Uh, after 21 days, if the infection had faded, if the mark 
had, had, had it spread, verse 6, uh, it was, it was uh, that you were reasonably sure that it wasn't contagious, and therefore, verse, verse 6, you can be pronounced unclean, it's just a scab. And the prescription at the end of the verse 6 is, wash your clothes and be clean, physically, uh, health-wise, and uh, symbolically um, from a worship standpoint. Verse 7, if the scab spreads farther on the skin after he showed himself to the priest for his cleansing, shall appear again, and he looks at the skin, uh, pronounces them unclean. Um, so scab, so there's kind of, there's different, uh, so bright white spots, that's kind of a one prescription. Uh, scabs are something different, a scab or a rash, a rash, so if a, if the if the, the the rash has spread, you're contagious. If the rash is spreading, uh, you're contagious. Uh, anybody know, know if it's true today? But it'd be nice to have a skin doctor here to see how legitimate this is even today. Spreading rash. Um, verse nine. Uh, this is leprosy, kind of a different type of some a different sort of a skin condition. And uh, if there's white swelling in the skin. And it has turned the hair white. And here, this is what's different here is that now there's raw flesh, right? Uh, uh, there's you can see pus coming out, and uh, you can see kind of it's uh, the the ins it's bloody, it's pussy. Uh, but just imagine what raw flesh could be. It, it, this is chronic leprosy. This is not temporary. Uh, you shall pronounce him unclean. He, he shall not isolate him, right? Uh, for he is unclean. So here, here's one you're not isolated yet. But if the leprosy breaks out further, if it spreads, and the leprosy covers all the skin who has an infection from his head to his feet. Now, this is getting really bad now. And he looks, it's covered all his body. Uh, uh, he shall pronounce him clean who has the infection. Um, clean. It has all turned white, and so he is clean. And so what has happened is, the, the this is kind of confusing, the, the, the leprosy has covered his body, but the raw flesh is gone now. It's been replaced by a new white skin, so the, the whiteness of the skin has covered the raw flesh, and so because the raw flesh is now gone, uh, he is deemed not contagious and ceremonial clean. But, verse 14, if there's raw flesh there, if there's still raw flesh, he shall be unclean. If he shall look at the raw flesh, the raw flesh, it is leprosy. It, now, uh, this is clarified in verse 16 and 17, if the raw flesh turns again, is changed to white, then he shall come to the priest, you shall look at him, and you're deemed not contagious, you're clean. So you depending on if there's raw flesh or not, you, you determine whether somebody's contagious or not, or, and therefore clean or unclean. We look at boils. Uh, boils. Do you remember who else had boils? Job. Job. Where else did we see boils? One of the ten plagues in Egypt. And here, somebody did, has did a, a boils bolt. break out on the shore of Israel after they sin sometimes. Uh, it was sometimes it was a sign of punishment, right? Here, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a sign of punishment. Here, we're 
The boils on the skin, it's healed. If there's white swelling, reddish bright spot. Uh, again, another, we saw this earlier, if it's deeper than the skin, verse 20, if the hair is turned white, it is infectious. You're unclean. If there are no white hairs, if it hasn't come lower than the skin, and then you're isolated for seven days, uh, if it spreads farther, you shall be unclean. If it continues to spread, if it doesn't spread, if it stays the same, you're clean. Well, let's say in verse 24, your uh, skin is burnt by fire and raw flesh comes up, uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a result of that burn. If it becomes reddish, white, or white, the priest shall look at it. If it's turned white, if it's deeper than the skin, again, what happens? You're contagious. Uh, you are unclean. There's no white hair. If it's not deeper than the skin, you're isolated for seven days. You look at it. If it's spread further, further, then you're unclean. You're infectious. If the bright spot remains in its place, is not spread. In the... So it's really quite detailed. A lot of detail. Uh, a very clear. Uh, it, it almost reads like like a what? A medical textbook, right? An ancient medical textbook. That that kind of specific specificity. Seven days, 14 days, 21 days, this condition, come back, it comes back. So you have this me ancient medical textbook in, uh, in chapter uh, 13. Let's skip, you can, you can figure out the rest. I kind of gave you a little interpretive key already, so that's pretty easy. Go to uh, verse 45. Go to verse 45. Um, let's say you have a, a leper has the infection, his clothes shall be torn. What happens when you're contagious, you're unclean? Uh, verse 45, the hair of his head shall be uncovered. He shall cover his mus mustache and call it unclean, unclean. So if anybody comes near you, you have to say, unclean, unclean. You have to warn them. I'm contagious, uh, stay away from me. And uh, it's a pretty sad life, right? Verse 46, he shall live alone. His place of habitation shall be outside the camp. And uh, this is kind of brings you back to what? Um, Adam and Eve expelled. They were, they were outside the camp. The execution of criminals took place outside the camp. What else happened outside the camp? Who else, who else was suffered outside the camp? Jesus, right? He, he uh, treated as a leper. And so you had some kind of harsh remedies in a world in a time when there's no there's nothing to cure you. I mean, you just have to you're just isolated forever. Now going from verse 47 to 59, mildew. Apparently, mildew is really dangerous, right? Uh, you see mold on your on your walls and your ceilings. Uh, I think what's the big deal? But apparently, it's it's bigger deal than, than you think. This could be a, a disease. Um, and, and here, if you if you read the verses forty seven to fifty nine, um, you uh, well, what shows, well, what stands out is that 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 God tries to save as much as possible whatever the material is, leather or or not. Uh, you get you get opportunities to cut out the mark again, like a medical textbook, really great detail. Uh, you, you don't have to burn it all, but if it can be sal salvageable, you just you just cut out part of part of the leather uh, the leather product, um, or the the knit the knit the the wool, the wool the clothing, what have you. There you have it. Uh, next, uh, chapter fourteen continues, and 
it's all about it's all about uh, how do you how do you take care of a leper? How do you cleanse a leper? And um, what happens when a, a leper is, is cleansed? And um, and you have some some um, instruction there. And this is kind of uh, interesting because in, in the Gospels you see what uh, Jesus healing lepers, and he tells the lepers go to the go to the temple and offer a, a sacrifice and show the priest you've been cleansed. And so. Um, chapter 14 is going to give us some insight on, on, on the Gospels of Jesus and, and why uh, that's kind of... I mean, this is, this, is a, this, is a, this is an entire chapter. One entire chapter dealing with lepers, and then you have this major theme in the Gospels of Jesus cleansing lepers. And so this is going to really open, our, open, our, uh, open up some really important information on, on, on Jesus in the Gospels and his healing of the lepers. So looking forward to it. Thank you.